Scripture reading this morning is from James. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in all his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I like to walk around. Um, like Ryan said, I used to do youth ministry, and you can't stand in one place because some of the kids will fall asleep. So I like to walk around and you know, as if I'm talking directly to you. You know, that's it keeps more pe- people more active in in, in the process. Um, something that Ryan said is not true. I'm not a litigator, uh, and I told him that, and he said he knows, uh, but it, it was just more interesting. Uh, I thought that's great. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a corporate attorney, and I document derivative trades, which, which is not interesting. So, yeah, and people always say, oh, you're a lawyer. You, you must, oh, that's like law and order. I'm like, no, no, it's not. It's, they don't have any shows about what we do because it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't make it through the pilot. It, it just is, it's really that boring, but, you know, it, it pays my rent, so. Um, I'm nervous to get up and talk. It's been, it's been many years since I've spoken to a church. And Ryan said that Fourth uh, of July weekend is usually the lowest attendance. And it doesn't seem as low. I, I would actually ask some people to leave if you feel so inclined. I mean, if you, if you have to go to the bathroom, you can just stay out. And it's always nice. You, you don't, I'd rather have the lowest attendance when you speak because when you speak, I was talking to Sally before the service. And she said, oh, you'll do great. And it's like, well... I'd rather speak to strangers. I'd rather speak to a room full of strangers because you don't know these people. And if you say something stupid, which I will invariably do during this time, uh, they don't know you and they can't tell you that it was stupid because they'll never see them again. But since I see you guys a lot, this actually is a lot more pressure. So um, I I really appreciate this week preparing how much Ryan and Jacob have to prepare for their messages and and, uh, the fear of God that comes over them about five minutes before this, this time where they stand up here. Uh, but I titled today's message, From the Cradle to the Grave. Um, Ryan thought it'd be inappropriate if I played Tupac as I walked up. But um, I thought the last, group of, the, the last group of kids I worked with, I worked with all types of youth, the last group was inner-city kids in Denver. And 
you know, obviously Tupac was very appropriate for a lot of the stuff we did. But when I read the passage that we have today, and Jacob assigned it to me, so I thought, okay, this is, this is God. God's going to give it to me. I, I pray that he's speaking through Jacob to give me this message. I thank him that he didn't give me James 3, Taming the Tongue, because that, that, that wouldn't have been a hard one to, to, to speak on, uh, especially hearing Jacob's golf story last week, if you weren't here, him golfing and cursing under his breath when he missed the ball. Um, yours is under your breath. I mean, I have no excuse. Mine's just plain open, but, it's, uh, but God's working on me with that as well. I read the passage, and when I read James 1, 19 to 27, I really, I thought, okay, the obvious takeaways, you know, you know, be slow to anger, you know, watch what you're saying, um, care for widows and orphans. It's like, okay, so what am I going to talk about on this? And as the more I meditated on the more I thought about it, I really saw a process. I saw stages of our relationship with God. And I looked at it and I saw, okay, what, what is this here? We have, and I like how in the program it is broken into three sections. And that's, I almost asked them to do that, but it just happened that it, they broke it down into three sections. The first section, to me, God as Savior. The second section, God as Lord. And the third section, God as Lover. These are progressive stages in our relationship with God. But it's not guaranteed that we, we get promoted to each new stage. It's not guaranteed that we're going to go to the next stage. In fact, often we short-circuit the process. Often we stay at one stage and we, we just stay there. Before I get into them, let's pray before we start. And I always, I, I actually, before, I, before this time, I was going to say, I was going to tell myself, pray first and then get into it. Because when, when speakers get up and they kind of give this mini-message and then they pray, and you're like, geez, that wasn't the message? <laughs> and then they're like, let's pray to start. And you're like, oh, my God, i got to leave, you know? So I, I'm doing the thing I didn't want to do. So let's pray before I, I, I really get in trouble. <laughs> Father God, we just praise you for today. We thank you, God, that... That you, Lord God, are doing great things in LMCC. And it's not, it's not localized to our church. It's all over the world, Lord God. Saints all over the world are meeting this morning, worshiping you and praising you. Father God, we need more of you. We need more of your Holy Spirit. We need more of your power. We need more of your presence. We need more of to understand your love in our life. Father God, it is a process in walking with you. We pray that, God, you would give us, Lord God, uh, the, the ability, the calling and, Lord, help us to, Lord God, walk through each stage. We want to be, Lord God, not just knowing you, not just, Lord God, uh, uh, obedient to you, but we want to be lovers of your soul. We want, Lord God, you to be blessed by our lives. We praise you. We pray that, God, your words will speak today. Help minimize the damage that I can do and be glorified. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So the first stage. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So, sounds easy. You can clean up your language, you control your temper. I like that James uses rampant wickedness. Because it gives me hope, because when I, when I you think, well, I'm only wicked. Not rampantly wicked. You know, it's like... Rampant wickedness. I just think it's funny that he used that adjective, and he actually qualified wickedness. But, so basically, we clean up our life, and then, then all of a sudden, we, we can be saved. But that, that's a little backwards, and I don't think that's what James is saying. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And yet, I thought about that. Okay, receive 
with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And then you think of John 1, 1 that says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So receive with meekness Jesus. Receive in meekness God, who is able to save your souls. Now, it's interesting because James's audience, as, as, as Jacob said last week, is the church. He's writing to the church universal. He's writing to the 12 tribes that were dispersed throughout all over the region. And he's telling them, hey, salvation this is the first step. This is from the cradle. This is the first step in the relationship with God. But he realized that there are people in the church that are not saved. They do not have a relationship with God. They don't know God on a personal level. I chose the title from Cradle to the Grave because when I was, when I was in ninth grade, you know, going through those identity crises, you know, being one of the few Asians that, that spoke English in my, in my school, um, I say there, were, there are other Asians, they're ESL, they're on the third floor of my school, and I'd only go to them when I was in trouble, meaning that I would go hide with them when the police were looking for me because they wouldn't know who I was. They're like... One of those Asians just did that. Don't know which one it is. And I wasn't Vietnamese, and a lot of the kids were Vietnamese, so I feel bad now. You know, I'm Korean, and I would just try to blend in, speak Vietnamese to them, tell them not to tell the police that I was the one. But I remember I hung out with these, these kids. It, it kind of, they, they were, they, were they, they said they were gang members, so I was like, this is cool. And they, they, they actually, I hung out with them, and they wanted me, they wanted to jump me in their gang, and I'm like, What's that mean? They're like, oh, we just beat you down. And, you know, but then it's, it's for life. He said, it's cradled to the grave. They were crips, actually. So it's like, okay, you know, C-R-I-P, right? Uh, cradle, rip, all right, rest in peace. So I thought, oh, okay, this is, you know, and, and I did well enough in school that I thought, that doesn't sound like a winning proposal. Um, <laughs> that you just beat me down for a minute, and then I'm in, and then I got to get shot with you. So, you know, I wasn't down. And so, you know, they kind of they didn't let me hang out with them much anymore because uh, I wasn't going to get shot with them. And, and then sadly, though, one of the guys who, who did make fun of me, he actually did die when he was 17. He'd, uh, he got shot when he was in Chicago. Um, we didn't get along, and he called me a punk, and I told him, I said, well, you, you'll be dead by the time you're 18. And it, it turned out to be true. Uh, he did die. I chose this title because what I learned from a lot of these kids that were in gangs is that their loyalty is fierce. They were loyal to their colors. They were loyal to their signs. They were loyal to their, their set. And what, they, what their loyalty was, they said from cradle to the grave. It's from the time that we're in, we never get out. And that's how it should be with Christianity. We should have this loyalty. We should have this, this passion. And obviously, we shouldn't be vandalizing and selling drugs and killing people like they do. But we should, ha- we should take those kind of things and that's why I took the, the title. And when Ryan, when Ryan emailed me or texted me and said, what's the title of your message? I said, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Let me, let me have a minute and get back to you. So I wrote that, and he thought, hmm. And then yesterday I saw him. He said, yeah, I read your passage. I don't really get that. But, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what, uh, where you're going to go with it. So. so God is Savior. Salvation is the first stage. And it's the only stage that we really have this control over. That It's, it's the easiest stage for us. Because all we do is we say yes. We say yes. It's so easy. 
Because God is saying to us that he loves us and that he died for us. And the problem with the hard thing I have since moving to New York and being in Manhattan is that I worked with these kids who were coming from really hard backgrounds. And you didn't have to convince them that they needed something. They needed something to give them hope. They needed something to give them a future. They needed something to give them a way out. But when I came to Manhattan, when my wife and I came, I said the biggest struggle is that I go to my work, and all these lawyers, all these you know, bankers and traders, they're all successful. Everyone has everything. They've got Ivy League educations. And God, I look at myself in the mirror. Do I need you, God? Do I really need you? Because I, I remember when, we were, when I was in youth ministry, eating ramen noodles. And, and sometimes it wasn't even, it was like, I don't know, I eat hot dogs a lot. Because um, you can get it for like 99 cents. You get like, like, tw- like 12 of them. That's like 12 meals for a dollar. So I would eat that a lot, and I needed God. I remember one year my, my tax return was negative money. It was negative. I was like, how is it? I was like, do I have to file? Why do I pay my accountant? It's negative. I wanted a letter from the government saying, thank you for just you know, doing that. But now I make good money. Now I have a job, and, 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 and do I need God? Because... A lot of days, if I'm honest, no, I don't need God. I don't trust him for where my meals are coming from. I don't trust him for, for anything that I can't buy. And that's what's hard. That's what's hard with Manhattan. That's what's hard with our demographic here and with this church. It's because we can get so comfortable in, in that, that mindset that do we really need God. And God is still looking for people who need him. He's still looking for people who need salvation to get to the conclusion that God is Savior, we have to come to the conclusion in ourselves, the realization that we cannot save ourselves. And this is the part that's hard. Because I'm a control freak. Ask Suhyun. She'll tell you in therapy probably that I'm a control freak. I like, you know, the, most lawyers are OCD. You like have to control everything. And I try to control every component of my life. This past week, I was shaken up because I went back for a funeral of a close friend in Minneapolis. Um, went to Bible school together. His wife was in the youth group when I was the youth counselor. And they had three boys, four, six, and eight. And I just, it just shook me up because we had been believing God would heal this person, my friend. And I realized that we really can't control anything in this world. We can't control when our loved ones get sick. We can't control when our friends and family die. We can't control one thing in our life. But I, myself, personally, and I'm ashamed of it, but I strive every day to make an illusion that I can control my life, that I, can, I have control over my life. And I want to say, yes, God, I trust you. But if, I have been, if I'm honest with myself, I have to say, no, Lord, I do not trust you. I can do better than you can do. In my life, I don't trust my wife walking on the street at night alone. What if something happens to her? What if someone hurts my boy? I don't trust God. And it took my friend to put him down, to when I carried this casket out and put it in the car. He's 35 years old. And the thing I, that his wife gave us, he, we, some of his friends got together the night before. We prayed for the family. And 
They gave us a letter that he wrote to his sons when he knew he was going to die. And it said, the men that God puts in your lives is not God's plan B. I'm no longer with you, but God is not surprised. That's the God I serve. That's the God I love. And yes, I have that relationship with him, but God's looking for people in our church, in our city, that need him. And until we can come to the realization that we cannot control anything, we have no power to change anything really in our life, anything that matters, let alone eternal salvation. We cannot get to the next step. And God will not bring us to the next step until we get to the first step. The good news and the hope and the excitement is that people are here in LMCC You're coming. And whether you are an on-fire believer in Jesus Christ that is really doing what God wants you to do, or you're just searching, or you don't even believe God exists, but you're just here. You saw the sign and you just walked in. It's no coincidence. There's no mistakes. God has you here for a reason. And it means that you're searching. It means that you're, you're, you're open to the possibility that this God who your friends talk about, those Christian friends that you don't tell your other friends about, that this God does love you and does have a plan for your life. The next stage is God is Lord. And let me read the passage. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is a man, like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. It's not enough just to be saved. It's not enough just to be in a church and a member of a church. It's not enough just to be a good person. This is where the danger comes. Once we are saved, once we have given our life to Jesus Christ, once we have given our heart to God and it's God as Savior, and now we're in this stage of God as Lord. I remember when I gave my life to Christ when I was 17 years old, God, well, let me go back further. I mean, I wanted to be a lawyer from when I was young. I wanted to be a U.S. senator. I wanted to change things. I wanted to fight social injustice. And I went to Bible school. Well, I was at Wheaton College my first year as a poli-sci economics major, and I didn't know the Bible. And when, when, when I'd go to the inner city and help with the, the, you know, work with these kids, they'd ask questions that were very easy questions, but I couldn't answer any of these questions. And I never respected growing up people who didn't know their religion. And I had become that. And so the only place I knew where to go was a small conservative Lutheran Bible school that I always made fun of those kids. And God was asking me to go learn the Bible. And so I took time out of college, and I fought it for a long time, and then I went. And that, that, was, that was hard. My, dad didn't, my dad's not a believer. He didn't understand. And he would, he would just say, well, God wouldn't have you do that. And I said, well, Dad, no disrespect, but you, you, don't, you don't know God. And, and he would say, well, I don't think God would have you do that. And I said, well, I respectfully will go to Bible school. And, and I went there, and it was okay. I learned the Bible. But then in my, in my first year, after my first year, they needed a youth minister out in Montana. And I thought, well, hope you guys find him. And one of the guys, one of my youth pastors said, you know, I think, I think you would be a great person to go do that. And I said, there's no way. So I prayed about it, and I said, Lord, I'm going to be a U.S. senator. I want to be a politician. 
I said, there's no way I want to be a youth pastor. The youth pastor I knew, he drove this old 1980 Honda Civic with no bumper on the back. I said, God, I'm not going to be that. And God was really speaking to my heart, and he was saying over and over as I prayed, God said, will you be obedient? Will you be obedient? And this is the theme that's come over and over in my life. Will you be obedient? And I thought, I'll do it. But begrudgingly, and I complained about it, and I was very angry, and I'd argue with him and tell him why he's making a mistake. This is where the stage comes where God is your Lord. God is Lord. Is will you be obedient? Obedience to the word is transformative. But if we're not careful, it can lead to death. Not physical death, spiritual death. The Dead Sea. Some say there's 153 sources of fresh water that flow into the Dead Sea. But the salinity of the Dead Sea is the greatest in the world, 33%. 153 sources of living water, fresh water, with living creatures going to the Dead Sea, and they invariably die. And then you say, well, of course, because there's no outlet. That's why they die. There's no outlet. And the exact same thing happens to us when we sit in church Sunday after Sunday and we don't let the Word of God penetrate to our hearts. We don't let the Word of God change our lives and we don't say to God, I'll be obedient. We become dead and it stagnates us. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you'll go to heaven. You're not going to lose salvation. But you will miss out. I will miss out on so much that God has for me. When he created me, when I was born in Korea, I was an orphan. Many of you know my story. I was an orphan. I was adopted by a family in Minnesota. When he created Kim Shin-yong in 1974, God had a plan. And it was his best plan. Now, I didn't find him until 17 years later. But I'm a firm believer that I won't die until I find the reason for which God created me. And I fulfill my destiny in this world. I struggle because I'm right now, I'm a lawyer, and I feel this is what God has us do. We prayed, and we were asking God, and we felt God is having us be right here right now. And I struggle because I don't know why God has us working with the clients we work with, doing what I do. But I want to know why God has it. This is just a snapshot. I can't see the big picture. But I know that if I sit here and just take it in, just be hearers, and not a doer. And this is funny because you have, you have Paul in, in uh, Romans that says, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And then you have James saying, well, yeah, don't be hearers only, but be doers. Hearing, yes, salvation can come through hearing the word. But once it comes, you're not, we are not to just sit and hear, serve. And you may say, well, there's nothing else to serve in the church. There's always something to serve. Be creative. God has given us all a unique passion. You may have a passion that nobody else in this church has. Go to Ryan and Jacob or the other ministers and just say, hey, here's my passion. What can I do with it? And I'm sure they'll be happy to find something that you can do as an outlet for your faith. Whether it's, whether it's the homeless, whether it's uh, you know, the kids up in, uh, you know, that, are, that are struggling in lower income areas, anything. 
But if we do not put it to use, if we don't put the faith, the salvation that God has given us into practice, into action, it's when we become dead. We're dead with it. And we become like the Dead Sea, where nothing living can survive. We wonder why God does not... We see, you know, at least I wonder. I, I see revivals happening in, in Africa and, and in China and other places and in South America. And you wonder, why isn't that happening in the U.S. as much? Why don't we see the power of God? Is it because, though, our church in the West is so comfortable and we become so dead in ourselves? I know in my life that's true. And just in the past two months, in the past two months, as I've been really pressing in to pray for the church and pray for each of you as I meet you when I'm greeting, I'm the guy that pushed, you don't recognize me maybe. I, I have the baseball cap and I look kind of homeless. I'm downstairs pushing the elevator button. Yeah, I cleaned up today, but that's because they, they wanted that. You know, it's a church thing. Pray for you, and as I'm praying for you during the week and praying God touch their heart God grip them bring them to the next level God is convicting me and saying why why should I do that you're not there how convicting is it when I'm praying and God's saying no you want me to do something in them that you're not at right now how much you've compromised Anthony how much you've compromised and given up since you've come to New York do you think you're something now and it's humbling I want to see this church, LMCC, grow. And I want to see us grow in passion for God and on fire for God and in service to God. I want to see our hands in so many things that people say, that is such a diverse church. All the things that these guys do. And then we can say, we have to point back because it's not us. It's the passion that God puts in our heart. The conclusion that God is as Lord, is Lord, it's motivated by this deep-seated conviction that God is worthy of our obedience. The next stage is God is lover. Because God is Lord is not the end. And why do I choose God as lover? The passage, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God. The Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Ryan spoke two weeks ago on God the Father. You know, I thought about that. Should I mention that? But then as I really meditated on this verse, I thought, what's, what is this verse, God? Why widows and orphans? You know, I was an orphan, so I, I definitely have a heart for orphans. Um, but why this verse? And what, what does this mean? Undefiled before God the Father. And then I thought, do I have to understand, Lord? Do I need to understand? If you're the lover of my soul, and if it's important to you, Lord, Maybe it should be important to me. And that's why I thought of God as lover. The next step is not just being, not just being saved, not just then hearing and then doing the word, but what can we do that will actually bless the heart of God? See, when I was in ministry, you tend to get in a rut. You tend to get in this mentality that it's, a, it's, a, it's an obligation, this duty to serve God. And we think, oh, we're just, we're just doing it, you know, and you forget the, the true passion, the true fire, the reason why we do the things. And when God is the lover of our souls, we do things just for the fact that it pleases Him, just for the fact that it makes Him happy, just for the fact that He would smile today because of His servant. 
we would cause an ounce of happiness in him. I remember when I was, I just got out of a big event in 1997. And I was between ministry jobs and and I thought, I'm going to just go get another job. And the Lord had really put on my heart, sit and read the word. And I said, I just, you know, I went to Bible school. What do I need to read? I want to teach you. I want to talk to you. So for four months, all I did is just read the Bible and praise God every day. And it was a horrible existence because everyone in my life thought I was a loser. They're like, you are not working. You're just, I was like, yeah. My dad's like, I'm in, you know, and this wasn't, it's not funny, but he said, I'm ashamed that, you know, that's not who I raised. And there's a point in that where I thought I was getting close to God and I thought, God, I want to know your heart. And God said, do you really want to know my heart? And I said, I really want to know your heart. And God put on my heart this image that I will never forget. And I wept through that night because I thought he was going to give me, like, his people praising him. That makes him so happy. And people serving him, which he's so blessed by that. But he showed me this image of these kids in China and in Africa and South America, the street kids in Brazil, these orphanages in in China, these little girls, these kids that were trafficked in, in, in South Asia. He showed me these kids And they were crying out and saying, if you exist, if you exist, God, then save me. Stop this abuse, the rape, the defilement every day of my life. And that image, I can't get that image out of my head. And it, it, it haunts me. And I thought, this is God? This is who God is? And what God's heart was saying is, Yeah, a lot of the church is great. They're blessed. They're doing well. But so many of my children in this world are suffering and dying. And Anthony, you really don't care about them. You spend so much of your time, your life, your energy, building up comfort, building up something that you can predict, you can control. And you don't want my heart because my heart is the stark reality that majority of the people in this world don't live as blessed as you live. And that is hard to live with. That was hard. And that, at that time, I had like $3.08 in my bank account. I remember the exact amount because when I went back to Minneapolis, the plane, thank God, was already paid for by my parents because I couldn't pay. They said, if you want to come back for Christmas, we'll pay. I said, great. I couldn't buy a number. At the time, this is 1997, I couldn't buy the number two meal at McDonald's, which was $2.99 plus 6% tax. would have been $3.18. I had $3.08. I tried to bargain with the guy. He wouldn't give me... For 10 cents, he wouldn't give me the number two meal. So I didn't have a lot of compassion that day on him. But this is the heart that God had. And I thought, I'm better off? And then as I thought, and I started to be broken, be broken for these, for these kids. And for, the, the, for me, it may be closer. Maybe you've never thought about where you were born into. But I think about it often. I went back to the orphanage when I was in Korea. I went back to teach English. Again, this is the will you be obedient thing. And I didn't want to because I was terrified of Korea. I was terrified of the place that rejected me. And I went back, and it was surreal to go back to my orphanage and look at how broken down it was. And to 
to see this hill that they, they give me a tour of Guangzhou and they said this hill is where the babies that didn't survive the night when their mothers dropped them off they were buried in this hill and I started I wept because I didn't appreciate the fact that I was adopted I resented that I was given up And I can start to understand why God said, these are the kids. Because it took me so long to come to God. Because I kept saying, will you leave me too? These are the heart. This is not God's heart. And it's pure and undefiled. But the catch is, here's the catch, and this is where we get caught up. And, pure religion is this, and keep oneself unstained from the world. What's that mean? It means that we're not giving ourselves the credit. We're not buying into the world's value system that, that oh, we're doing so many good things and we're good people. No, God, God is saying, no, no, this is where you get stained. This is where all of a sudden your works become polluted. And God is saying, keep yourself unstained. Keep your focus on Jesus Christ and the cross. Keep your focus on what God is doing, not on what you're doing. I'll be glorified, God says. And that's what's hard. Our value, our worth, everything we are is wrapped up in what the world tells us. Being educated, having a good job, living in a nice home. But that is our small, small, small segment of the world. The rest of the world, this is foreign, completely foreign to them. And there are people where revival is breaking out all over the world and they're seeing God move in powerful ways because they are not educated. They don't have wealth. But there's hope because we can press in. It's harder. It is harder for us to press in as an affluent society. For God is Lord, action is enough. Will you be obedient? But for God is lover, it's all about the attitude of your heart. Action no longer becomes primary, but it's only what God can see and judge. The prodigal and the elder is a good, is a good lesson in this because it's, it shows both sides. We all think of the prodigal as the one that needed salvation. It was the elder son who needed true salvation. Because the prodigal, he was honest. He's the guy that we all like. At least I like. He's very honest. He tells you to go to hell. You know, it's like, oh, okay. Or, you know, F yourself, but you're like, cool, that's good. Um, you know, it's honest. It's an honest assessment. You're like, nice. You know, I timed it so when he was out. So, but, uh, so he's, he's out there and he's wasting all of his father's inheritance. And he comes, he basically sitting in the pig pit. We all know the story. And he's thinking, man, my servants, my father's servants eat better than this. I'm eating the, I'm like longing for the pea paws that the pigs are eating. You know, I'd be thinking just to kill the pig and eat it. But he's thinking about the pea pods. Rampant wickedness. He's thinking of the pea pods. And it's at that time that salvation comes to him. Because he says, I'm going to act. I'm going to accept that my father is the only way I can be saved. I can't save myself. And I'm going to go. Obedience. He's going to go home. Because I think my father wants me to return. And from the distance, his father runs up to him. And he had prepared this speech about, like, you know, how, oh, God, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. Da, 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 da. 
and his father had nothing to do with it and just loves him, puts on the good robe, the royal ring, uh, slays the calf, and then throws a party. And the son knows what love is then. He says, I'll do this now. Before I used to resent my father, but now I'm going to do something because I love my father. The elder son now, the older son who sat home the whole time, was very obedient. Very obedient. He did everything the father told him to do. But his heart was far from his father. He was so angry that his brother, who was, who was spending the money on prostitutes and wild living, he said, well, and the, he was outside sulking. And the father said, what's wrong? Your brother who was dead is now alive. But this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours wasted your money and this is how you treat him. You give him this royal service? He says, everything I had would have been yours. You just had to ask. And this, the elder son, is what I fear for my life. Because that is who I can so easily become now that I'm saved. This person who just is obedient and in my heart resents God or resents people or resents things because I'm doing this out of something for myself and not for God. The conclusion that God is lover is motivated by the deep desire to bless the heart of God. It's no longer about seeking his hand, saying, God, bless me. It's about seeking his face and saying, God, I need an intimacy with you. I need to know you in such a way that you change my heart. Give me such a vision for my life that I, my life will not be a waste. I saw someone at my, the, the funeral, and he said, are you going to make it back for the 20-year high school reunion? I thought, 20 years? 20 years already. And I'll blink, and it'll be 20 more. And I'll blink, it'll be 20 more. And then I'm dead. And then we're gone. Life is so fast. What will be said of us at the end? What will be said of us when we come to the kingdom of God and we stand before God? Will he say, well done, my good and faithful servant? I really don't want to hear that, though. I want him to just hug me and, say, and to say to me, you blessed my heart so many times when this world is so suffering, and you brought me joy for a moment. Let's pray. Father God, we need you so much, Lord. We cannot save ourselves. Father, we cannot control one day of our life. We pray, God, that you would, Lord God, call us to your own. For those that are here today, Lord God, that do not know you, Father, we pray that, God, they would seek somebody out and ask, how can I know God? How can I know this Jesus? For those, Lord God, that are saved, that have a relationship with you, but, God, are not, not serving, not acting, not putting their faith into practice. Father, we pray that, God, you would put on their heart a desire, Lord, a relentless desire, Lord God, that you would just pursue them, Lord, and let them, Lord, get involved here. Father, help us, Lord God, to be inclusive and to, to, to reach as many places as we can in the city. And for all of us, Lord. Bring us to deeper and deeper levels in you, Lord, that we would, Lord God, be a lover to your soul, Lord God, that we would bless you, that we would, Lord God, minister to your heart, and we'd give you joy, Lord God. We'd cause smiles to be upon your face. Lord, we love you, but teach us how to love you. Thank you so much, God. You are an awesome God. Change me, Lord. In Jesus' name.